This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new 18 one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to, and I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the 17 team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 448 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, April 20th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It is good. The weather's turning. Yes. It's uh, a certain day in the month of the certain month <laughs> on the calendar. It's a fun day. Don't, don't know anything about that. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, a lot of good pitching today. You know, we've already had, we've already had the day slate. Uh, pretty much wrapped up, and there was some some good pitching. We saw Estrada, uh, Marco Estrada, and Chris Sale duel brilliantly. Uh, Sale goes eight, scoreless, 
102 pitches. I wasn't watching the game. I don't know. Should he have come back out? Craig Kimball blows it for him. They end up coming back and winning, but uh, little good that does for Chris Sale, folks. Uh, trying to get that W. And then Lance McCullers and Matt Shoemaker going toe-to-toe. Um, Urban Santana pitched well again. Daniel Norris was not so good, but the eraser, Erasmo Ramirez, was looking good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've already had we've already had Oh, and uh Trevor Bauer. You know, I am always crushing him when he doesn't pitch well. I might as well be be kind when he does pitch well. He goes six and a third, two runs. Uh that was, so that was a good game between he and Santana. So plenty of good pitching already today. It is it is a good day. It is a good day. And if if you want to enjoy the date, then enjoy the date. Who who am I to who am I to say? But, uh, um, Daniel Norris did not pitch well. I'm no, he really didn't. He didn't, and it was frustrating. There, there were some, there, there were some issues uh, defensively that were there. But you can't, you can't wave off eight hits, five runs, four of them earned to to just the defense. Um, I don't know. Tigers starting to come back to the pack a little bit after a nice start. The honest Tigers fan, I, I, I was never really believing that they were gonna you know, be dominant. I think it's a team that's on the fringe um, of contention and, and needs things to go really well with a lot of different players, including Norris. So it doesn't mean you can't have a bad start ever, but uh, was not great. was not great today. And so the Tigers lose 8-1. to one. Not cool. Steven Souza beasting. We'll actually talk a little bit about him next week. We're going to do uh, a couple different things today. Talk a little bit about the, the influx, closer situations. And then I'm going to ask you about your, your concern level for a handful of guys who are have been poor now for three weeks. They, they just are not performing well. And there's some indicators that uh, are alarming. And I just want to get, get, get your feel for it. I know most of them you're going to be, I'm not super panicking, but we're going to talk about what's underneath the poor results. And then next week, uh, we're going to talk about the guys who are, are overperforming and see where where you stand on guys like that, uh, Souza, Eric Thames, um, you know, guys in that realm. So this week, strugglers and closers. Next week, studs. But I do have one stud that we're going to talk about. One stud question, um, and it is our question of the day: Is Freddie Freeman the second best first baseman in the game? You know, behind, of course, Eric Thames. <laughs> God. <laughs> Behind yes. God Thames. God Thames. Uh, well, you know, I I thought it was more of like, is he a stud, which is uh, actually just a kind of a lame question because, it, yes, he's a stud. Yeah. Uh, well, I let like me give the, you some numbers first. I like the since the start, question. Since the start of last year uh, for Freddie Freeman, 92 runs, 79 ribbies, 32 homers, six stolen bases per 600 plate appearances with a 313 average. And that ranks him first, 16th, 6th, tied for 5th, and 2nd among 30 first basemen who have at least 400 plate appearances. So we're really looking at just since the start of last year, uh, but that's kind of when we've seen a change from Freddie Freeman. His his 753 plate appearances are fourth most. And obviously second best, I'm saying behind Goldschmidt because that speed, uh, along with similar numbers everywhere else to Freeman, I, I think does set him apart. So so where do you currently stand on Freddie Freeman as, as the second best uh, first baseman in the game? Let's take Chris Bryant off of there. He's a third baseman. I mean, you're just oh, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. much more likely. Okay, so Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Miguel Cabrera. On the preseason rankings, we had Paul Goldschmidt, Miguel Cabrera, Anthony Rizzo, and Joey Votto and Edwin Encarnacion ahead of him. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Edwin Encarnacion is not as good as he was before, but I think, and I'm, I don't want to say anything definitively about him, but A, he's 34, 
and B, he's not in the same kind of ballpark situation that he was before. So Definitely I think it's fair. In fact, you know, going back to the Reds, he's never played in a park like uh, Cleveland. So um, I think you could move him ahead of Edwin. That's that's easy. So now Joey Votto is 33. Freddie Freeman is 28. 27. 28, 27. 27. And though that doesn't matter necessarily in redrafts, if they're both going well, the fact that Joey Votto is doing these weird, this weird thing with his approach and swinging at everything and, and just kind of yeah, – I think he gets bored. I, I honestly, he's slow playing us again, dude. I know he's going to yeah. hit 900 in the second half again and be like, ha, got y'all. Yeah. But no, I mean, there was this one month he told me, this one month he was like, oh, yeah, I just started pulling everything that month just to see what would happen. It's <laughs> so, so ridiculous. I think he's doing that again. and uh, But I think in the end, they're too close in terms of usually like five-by-five five type outcomes. They're too close to um, to not take into account their age, right? So yeah, exactly. They're, they're both likely to have a very good average. And before these last couple of years, we would have thought they would both be kind of like 25 homer guys, right? Um, and now I think the evidence is that Freddie Freeman is more than a 25 homer guy, has retained his batting average ability, and is 27 versus Votto's 33. So we moved him past him. I think it gets harder now. Yes. Rizzo, Cabrera, and Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt is of the same age. He's 29. He's not quite. He's not the 33 of the other guys, and um, he steals bases. And, and has done so multiple times. I think you can feel pretty confident that Goldschmidt's going to continue to run. And that yeah. gives him the advantage that that, make, that more than makes up the two-year difference. And that's why, for me, he's the definitive one. So now yeah. you're down to Freeman versus Rizzo and Mickey. Right. And, well, yeah, and even if he doesn't steal 30, Goldschmidt, he'll steal 15. If you throw 15 into 25, you know, Freeman has to get to 40 homers to really approximate the same value. So exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I think it's Cabrera versus Freeman. Um, you know, I, I like, I like, uh, I like Miguel Cabrera a lot and I don't think he's done. So I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to push Freeman above that yet. So I'm going to, I'm okay. going to call him. Well, and I, I think Rizzo deserves a little bit of love here. Because Rizzo doesn't steal bases like Goldschmidt, but he does steal bases. He did once. Well, he did once. You're right. But he still he stole three again, and he has a good batting average, or at least he has for you know four years in a row. And he's mm -hmm. a 30 home run guy. I think it's uh, I think Freeman and Rizzo is where it's at. You know, a year or two from now, Miguel will fall down, and it'll be Rizzo, Freeman, and Goldschmidt, and Agreed. even. You know, even possibility that if Goldschmidt stops running as he gets older, that it becomes Rizzo and Freeman. So, in a way, I think the Cubs, uh, the Braves have found their Rizzo. Um, Definitely. Which is sort of amazing. I remember we were at a, an Arizona Fall League event a long time ago, uh, the first year that we met. And we were watching a scout talk about Freddie Freeman. And, and people still had questions about Freddie Freeman at that mm -hmm. time. Definitely. And... You know, people were saying, you know, what is this guy? Is he, you know, a low power guy or, you know, is he low batting average guy? I don't know when this must have been. Um, Probably would have been possible? around 2011. Yeah, 11 or 12. It, it would have been where he had some time. 
but not yeah. enough to where it was it was obvious, you know, that that we, we had a good player on our hands, and there were there were questions uh, again up until the last couple, uh, you know, maybe last year when he really took that big step forward, Freeman did. Um, even two years ago when he only played 118 games but still hit 18 homers, which matched his uh, 2014 total that he had, he had amassed in 162 games. So the power really took that step forward in 2015 and then took another huge jump last year, and that's where we're at now. For me, I do give him the edge over Rizzo, and... I do like both. They're they're both good. I've I've always felt Rizzo's a little bit overrated. The fact that he was a firm first rounder, I didn't that never really sat well with me. I, I didn't I didn't really understand it. Um, but I I think he should have been more of like a, you know early mid second rounder where Freeman is, and that's not such a huge difference. Plus you have the team context, which certainly helps Rizzo. Uh, his RBI totals are, are, are going to be higher. Although, if you look at it, just start, since the start of last year, Freeman has 115 runs, 99 ribbies. Rizzo has 99 runs, 112 ribbies. So they're very close right there. They just get it differently. But each, you know, there's not much difference in value between a run versus a, an RBI. I'm not even sure if there's any difference. And then you talk about the home runs and, and stolen bases. 47 for Freeman, 40 and 7, and then uh, 39 for Rizzo, 33 and 6. So batting average goes for Freeman as well. The, the only sharp difference between these two in the last two years is strikeout rate. Uh, Rizzo only strikes out 16% of the time, and Freeman's up there at 24%. So maybe there's some extra strikeouts because he's a bit more of a power guy, but I, that's a trade I'm willing to make. I, I just Freeman's amazing right now, and uh, Dave Cameron wrote about him and talked about how he has a, he has emerged, and uh, I, I I think I don't think he's the second best. I'm with you. I, I just wanted to ask and see where you were. I I still prefer Miguel Cabrera, but I got him third. I think I go Goldie, mm. Cabrera, Freeman, and I go Votto Rizzo personally. But I understand people that go Rizzo Votto. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm surprised to see that Freeman even stole six bases last year. I mean, right. that that's actually I think the point. What I was sort of thinking back to was how. We thought, here's this awkward-looking dude who, you know, he doesn't have any of the grace of a Miguel Cabrera, you know what I mean? And, I stand firm, but um, it looks like a grown-up buzz from Home Alone, the brother. <laughs> yeah, and I, the quote that, that I got in trouble for tweeting back then was um, the, the scout saying, uh, Freddie Freeman uh, looks awkward, Freddie Freeman swings awkward, Freddie Freeman, you know, doesn't look like a hitter freddie freeman can hit and That's uh right. you got in so much trouble for tweeting out too much yeah, of the information I, I got called up to the front and got my got spanked that but um you know i think that i think of that sometimes that i think that probably why sometimes people just don't think freeman is as good as he is he does he doesn't really look the part sometimes you know absolutely and uh his swing is not one that you would uh put in textbooks and even now, right now, he's uh, struggling in some ways. It's very strange. He's hitting more grounders than he's ever uh, hit, and he's pulling a lot of them. And he's, his pull percentage is way up. I think uh, he's probably now at the level of Avado where he has to do weird things um, sometimes to you know, stay ahead of what people are trying to do to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that they're really trying to bust him inside. I'm seeing a lot of pitches inside, and I think that's because in the past he's actually th- shown some spray power, and that's why he has 
one of the best line drive rates. He's up there with Votto. I don't know if people know that, but him and Votto are like the best line drive rates in baseball. Very consistently. You look at Freeman since 2012, 26, 27, 31, 28, 29, and then 29% so far this year on a line drive rate. That is very consistent and excellent. I mean, what is the league average? About 19, 20%. And, and, and he consistently yeah, and like sits 30. up there. Yeah, yeah. and, and Riz, uh, Votto's up there as well. So um, so you're going Goldie, Miggy, Rizzo, Freeman? Goldie, Miggy, Rizzo, Freeman. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, I think Rizzo and Freeman. I, I mean, and like if tired, we were doing basically. a draft today, I might just wait until both those guys were on the board. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I find them very similar. But if it's a snake, you gotta, you got you to gotta pick one. I think I would pick Rizzo. I don't know. There's something about him um, that I like um, a little bit better. But, you know, here's another thing. I've had people tell me that SunTrust Park was built for Freddie Freeman. Yes, we are hearing early rumblings of that and that it's it, it's built to just kind of maximize everything he does well, which why not? You know, that again, that's their cornerstone. You're saying that they might have their Rizzo in Freeman. Totally understand that. So you would build a park to cater to him. It would make total sense. And so far ball the ball uh, offense has not been a problem there hasn't been a problem for the opposition either they they allowed two grand slams to the nats yesterday yeah yeah i mean it's it, it's it's significantly shorter in certain places i mean it, there's about it's about 10 feet shorter in certain places it's, it's a brand new park we got to keep an eye on it we know even one year of of stuff can be difficult to to go off of so uh, for sure what six games isn't going to be uh, much to go off of, but but stay tuned. Right now, Freeman's beasting, and I just kind of want to take your temperature on where he's at. Let's go ahead and, and move on uh, to a few other topics here. Let's let's focus on some closers. We, we've already had some closer turnover. We always do early in the season. There's always a few right out of the gate, um, and then it seems like there's a little little quiet period, and then it, it gets going again where you start to see some volatility. And we've already seen some things turn over, and it's actually been the, the super sinker ballers the, the, this trio that we talked about together a couple weeks ago is is all in the news for, for bad reasons right now. We have mm-hmm. Zach Britton getting hurt with forearm strain, Blake Trinan and Sam Dyson losing their jobs. Now, I'm not saying it's because they're super singer ballers. It's just it was interesting that all three of them, uh, you know, were being were being discussed, especially when we we're talking about Trinan and saying, you know, he can actually be better than Dyson and maybe not quite as good as Britton. And nope, he has not. Uh, he has not really come to fruition there. They didn't seem committed to, to having Blake trying it in there. I, I don't know what they want to do. I don't know if they've been working on like a David Robertson deal that they couldn't get done. It's just always felt unsettled. It was hard to believe in the uh, the Coda Glover talk that came out. I wanted to because his stuff is so nasty. I thought he could be the Edwin Diaz. Trinan has nasty stuff, though, too. But now it looks like Kelly and Glover are going to get it. And then we'll talk about Matt Bush in Texas. But first, I want to talk about Britain with his forearm strain. Originally, they weren't going to get an MRI, and now they are. Um, I don't know if that raises concern or not. Uh, Brad Brock is going to, I think, going to be a perfectly suitable fill-in right now. How worried are you about Zach Britton with a forearm strain? Well, I don't like the fact that he wasn't going to get a at the an MRI, MRI and then got it, and now and now got one. I don't like that. What that are you is gonna, concerned. You, you can't drop him. No, you, you no. can't drop him. He's he's one of the best in the game when he's in there. Even if you've got limited DL spots, he has to be one of them. Zach Britton has to be one of them. And I believe this happened before. Was it before last Sunday? So Brad Brock's gone. That that that's already happened. Do you think? 
do you think this is something that that because it can be a precursor form strength can be the precursor to tommy john i mean one to ten give me give me a number on one to ten of your concern for zach Britton. i'd say six i mean it's the forearm you know is right there before on the kinetic chain right before um he's not talking about his elbow so that would be sort of seven eight nine mm -hmm. and um you know i think six is right he had an oblique in spring too i don't know uh, not necessarily related just bringing it up that there was another it's, thing it's worth on. also you know thinking about whether or not this pitch itself is stressful because you know the, the all the guys who's throwing it are, are getting hurt and um you know maybe what they're doing to get all this sync and velocity is turning the ball over a lot you know sort of super mm. pronating it's the kind of thing that we talked about with Jarrell cotton and dallas braden and, and their and their crazy pitches so but they're like um, screwball change-ups you know, I've even had people tell me that that's how Marcus Stroman gets all that sync. It's not from his grip or natural slot or anything that he's actually sort of manipulating that ball. So, you it's know, kind of like turning your arm yeah. out when you throw Pro it. Pronating. So if you if you if you're following through, turn, turning towards your thumb. Yes. Yes. Um, and and um, you know, manipulating the ball, and maybe that's. Uh, causing these issues. I mean, it is interesting that none of these guys, I mean, who's who's done it for three seasons? Britain's the closest. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. And, um, you know, failed starter goes in and it looks like he's just unbelievable. And some of the new research is saying that it's fastballs, you know, sinker would be included in that, that are the danger pitch more than secondary pitches. So you think, okay, reliever is going to get in there and might only have to worry about two pitches. Maybe his fastball is his number one pitch, which is the case with all these guys. They're, they're bankable. They're the solid ones. Well, you know, it, it's hard not to think that something's wrong with Sam Dyson right now. I, I don't think, you know, we don't have a word on an injury yet, but you're going to have a hard time convincing me that he's not hurting in some form or fashion, given how disastrous he's been after pitching in the WBC. Trinan, I don't know. He just started walking everybody and he's always had walk issues but not eight and a half um over his first six six and third innings i know it's blown up but like walks have always been a problem and then there wasn't major issues with zach Britton's results you know and, and skills but it was only at 7.7 k's and and 3.9 walks like that it, it was at, through seven innings it was something where you're not worried but now you pair it with an injury and it's like oh okay well maybe there is something here but he was still getting a 70 percent ground ball rate that you know they couldn't do any damage with it even when they got a runner on so you got all three of these guys out of their job currently one due to injury two due to underperformance i think at least dyson is also hurt um so you got a six concern i i think that's the right number Brock's already accounted for. Let's move on to the other teams then where you can maybe get some of these guys. I think Matt Bush is accounted for too because Dyson was so shaky uh, throughout and, and it really looked like the, the nail in the coffin was coming over the past weekend. So he's gone off the board as well. But we will and still I think he, about... I think he looks hurt. Yeah, I think he looks hurt. He I agree with to you. Be. The, the velocity is down. Yes. And he's flat as hell. I mean, he's just putting it up there on a tee. Yeah. And his slider is not breaking like it used to, and he's not even throwing it. Yeah. Which is, so a, I, is a little bit weird. I think he's pitching through something, and it's clearly not working. So we move over to Washington. Blake Trinan out, Sean Kelly, Coda Glover in together. They have not said one or the other. Um, Chris Liz, early in the season, uh, in spring, was certain 
that that Dusty Baker, not that not that Chris thinks this is a great guy to pick up or anything, but just that he thought Dusty Baker would want this. He thinks Joe Nathan is going to be their guy eventually <laughs> because they they had him and he lo- he he was making fun of you know he's using it as a way to basically make fun of Dusty, but all at the same time he's being serious. And so Nathan opted out of his deal, re-signed a minor league deal. He's closing in AAA. What if that's what they re- what if that's what Dusty really wants? That would be so ridiculous. That's just a seed what in the Dusty back. What Dusty really wants is David Robertson, or you know, yeah, you get know. get somebody they can rely on. So they've got Kelly and Glover right now. They're going to be splitting the gig, I guess. Glover's got the Glover's got the the, the velocity and, and the sexy stuff. And I think that you know Dusty's probably more predictable than most. And if if the numbers say in the past velocity and strikeouts have have done it, I think that that's what Dusty will 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 go to. The problem is that Kelly's getting the strikeouts um, yes. and and uh, and Cl- Glover has the velocity. So yes. you're kind yes. of splitting they're, they're, they're mixed. You're splitting the splitting the baby here. And so and Kelly has worth, the first we set. now have this is kind of fun. We now have swinging strike rates for the minor leagues. Isn't that great and, by the way? Yeah, it's kind of fun. And I will say that Glovers are not actually that impressive. I've seen a lot in the minor leagues, you have to remember these are the minor leaguers. I've seen twenty percent, thirty percent swinging strike rate type stuff. You know. Oh yeah, you can't just look at you know and say oh fourteen percent like that's that's fine. But for a minor leaguer who's supposed to be dominating, you kind of want let's, pushing twenty. Let's 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 t- let's look at that then. Twenty sixteen, uh, the double A, so double uh, A, and um, we're gonna do all teams. All teams, 2016 Double A. We're gonna go to Advanced, and we're gonna go to Swing Strike. Wait, it's not on the leaderboard. Oh, it's, oh, it's not on the leaderboard yet. No. All, All right, right, cancel the pod. We'll we'll call Dave. <laughs> we give up. Um, Hang on, anyway, guys. we'll be right back. I, I, I would doubt that it's uh, that it's the first page. I mean, there's there's gonna be relievers with with nasty, crazy. He had numbers, a 14% so. mark. Did Glover? Glover had a 13.7, rounded up to 14%. Yeah. 14%. That's not, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not and even popping like you're saying. And even among relievers in the ma- in the major leagues, and we're, our sample is really small, but like an 11%, uh, 11% in the major leagues, um, you know, let me see who's got 11%. And let's do relievers because relievers uh, – have way higher swing strikers. Absolutely. So eleven percent is not on the first page. It's not on the second page. It's not on the third page. Are you serious? It's on the fourth page. So he has a same swing strike rate as uh, Nick Vincent, Mike Dunn. Here's an interesting one: Wade Davis, saying one zero, but I think saying one zero is about to lose the job. So, and I think Wade Davis is a major injury risk this year, and, is, and maybe hurt. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, Jason Grilly. There's some okay pitchers, but um, you know, Greg but Holland is right there. Studs. But you know, I, I don't know. It's not. So Glover has the stuff, but he's not. He's not deploying it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, something about it. Peak possibility. The one thing I will say, he has only walking 4% so far, which is nice. Um, But he's had good walk rates in in the minors. We need to see more swinging strikes before we feel confident in Glover. So I want to focus on Kelly then because he got the first save um, in the group here. 
or among the duo. And, um, you know, he's he's gotten the strikeout rates. He's got a big gaudy swinging strike rate. This, this year it's at 19%, 16% last year, 15% the two years before that. I mean, he hasn't been below a 31% strikeout rate since 2012. This is Sean Kelly. And homers are the big concern uh, f- pretty much forever. But in most seasons, 1.2 career mark. He's at 4.5 this year. I think that's because he's allowed two, three homers. Three homers, homers in six innings. Homers from a specific – well, actually, uh, homers from righties too. I thought it was going to be lefties. That's Homers for a closer are terrifying, and that's why I yeah. never really bought in on him as the guy in Washington. But how do you feel about Sean Kelly? Kelly and Glover are probably going to be available in a lot of leagues because this wasn't done uh, before the weekend. So where where do you see where do you see this going uh, in terms uh, of the, the smartest bid? Uh, Trevor Rosenthal for oh you're gonna you're you gonna know, go off 5%. the board and say I don't know I I just you know the Nationals are good yes uh, Dusty Baker linger. likes to have closers. Uh, the Nationals in the past have are have already like twice or three times traded for closers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even when they already had one. Yeah. And this time they don't really. So I feel like this is going to come from off the reservation. I kind of I kind of feel like this um, this uh, a trade coming with either the White Sox. Um, or perhaps even the Braves. And I don't think it's going to be Jim Johnson necessarily. You know, they, they seem like more like the team that would try to get Aradis Vizcaino. Vizcaino, yeah. yeah. What I don't understand, and I, I just, uh, not the only one saying it, obviously, but I just don't understand how David Robertson wasn't in that Adam Eaton deal. I just right. don't know how it, like, it, it just means It must so mean well. that, they, that, they, that they're asking for a lot for Robertson or that the Nationals don't value uh, Roberts in the same way, so yeah, and maybe they wanted to keep him until the, the trade deadline time because of how well those uh, the returns, how great the returns were for relievers last year, and maybe they're just saying, you know what, we want to we want to get in on that, and uh, maybe either bilk you guys or or find some some other sucker to get just a ton for David Robertson. And even though Robertson's uh, stats look pretty good right now, here's an amazing thing: he's throwing the, the curveball fifty percent of the time. Whoa. I didn't see that before. Even uh, even Rich Hill thinks that's a little bit too much. Yeah, he's got a 22% swinging strike rate. It's pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think they probably see him as an old guy, and the White Sox are trying to sell him as a dominant closer. So maybe maybe that, that must be the problem, because otherwise uh, I think, you know, for a team as good as the Nationals are everywhere else, why, you know, why not? Maybe maybe the White Sox are asking for AJ Cole, and AJ Cole is probably there's probably nobody who's been weirder evaluations of AJ Cole than than that guy. I mean, you know, in terms of like one team loving him and one team hating him, he's been traded well, around yeah. by everybody. And he he was traded from the Nats, then brought back by the Nats. Yeah. Still can't really get a chance in the majors. It's right. it is very bizarre. You're right. They gave um, Jeremy Guthrie. I don't a chance understand. before AJ Cole. I don't understand. Um, and even before, way, I mean, Joe Drew Ross, you could say, well, he's coming back. He might be hurt well, or whatever. No, no, it was because of the time frame for Ross. The reason it wasn't Ross is because oh, Ross, he wasn't down his start, for ten days. Oh, yet. there you go. Okay. Yeah. And 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 so that's why it wasn't him. But I, there's no way that your Cole. list goes yeah. Ross. Guthrie, like, I'm sorry. There has to be like seven guys in between. Where's Austin Voth? 
where is where is so if you don't if if cole is not your sixth or even seventh starter then trade him yeah then just trade him for david robertson because like you said they're a good team they can't afford to mess around with this anymore uh harper looks back uh they got they got ryan zimmerman clicking otherwise i think it's going to be sean kelly you know i mean that's so so they don't make a move kelly yeah i think so okay and how much would you put on him right now See that's why you I'm not gonna, saves. I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do much more than eleven percent. Eleven, okay. twelve, thirteen percent because I just uh, I think there's you'd have to make ten of these moves to get one closer. <laughs> you know, that's how I yeah. feel about and it. And there's like, there's some other at least five of these moves to get one closer. There's some other sketchy situations you've already talked about St. Louis. I uh, think that one's huge. I think Hector Neris, Trevor Rosenthal, and Justin Wilson. I was going to say Justin Those Wilson. Those are my guys. I mean, yes, Kelly Kelly's probably better than those guys because he's right now moving into it. But given that those guys exist, I'm not going too hard on Kelly. You know what I'm saying? Like short-sighted. I still, like, I yeah. know you, need, you, you know you might need saves right now. You might be in a situation where you, you've just lost a bunch. But don't be too short-sighted. I just I don't trust Kelly. I really, really don't. And so um, I like what you're saying about Rosenthal. I've always been a Rosenthal guy. I like Sanguato, though. I, I thought he was uh, going to be Yeah, but he's good. lost and some velocity. He's, not, he's lost Legit. velocity. He's and, not young. And he didn't really have that velocity in Korea or Japan. Exactly. He's not a young guy who came over. You know, uh, He's more in like the Takashi Saito. You know, he, he came over a finished product age 34 last year. He's in his age 35 season this year. And so... I don't think you can ignore the fact that that Rosenthal is sitting right there. Justin Wilson's an interesting one for the Tigers. Um, they've used Alex Wilson before too. He's certainly not sexy from. But he's from a weird a, one. I mean, not very yeah. high strikeout, not very high velocity. No, no. Yeah. I do think K Rod's going to get a little bit more leash. The one yesterday really wasn't his fault. He did. He got into some traffic, but then he got the double play ball, and it's about as sure-handed as you can get with Kinsler and Jose Iglesias. Kinsler gave him a mediocre feed, but then. Jose Iglesias tripped over the bag and ends up chucking the ball over Miggy's head, um, <laughs> and for a walk off. I just you got you got to be kidding me, man! Get the yakety sacks queued up on that one. It was oh it was Tiger so, baseball. Yeah, exactly. It's back, Tiger baseball. Um, so you know it's crazy that their bullpen sucks. It's just, that just never happens. That that's Wilson's a, you just right. don't see Wilson's that. Wilson's a lefty, Detroit. which is you're, it's rare that you. But they have another lefty. one. He's they have the Kyle best. Ryan. Yes. Well. Mm. No, no, and, not, not to close. I'm saying they would still have know, one yeah, yeah. But he's, in the he, bridge. Justin Wilson is by far the best pitcher in that bullpen. Don't sleep on Joe Jimenez, though. He came up, made his debut. The reason they sent him right back down after that was because they needed another arm and they didn't really want to push him uh, back-to-back or three days in a row. He's coming back up because where Warwick Salpold pitched like three innings today they were just using him to get those three innings now for the for the weekend series they're bringing up blaine hardy and, and joe jimenez again jimenez now putting putting a 22 year old into the role you know straight out of the gate unlikely to happen so i agree with you that wilson is the spec right now mm-hmm. but keep an eye on joe jimenez he's shown closer stuff throughout his throughout his minor league career uh he's been a guy i think he can pump a hundred i mean he's he has the goods the tigers might finally have gotten you know a legitimate uh, uh reliever that they've groomed and he has the swing strike rates 20 percent uh this year so far in triple a 15 percent in triple a last year 17 percent in double a 17 percent in in high a and then major rates back in 13 14 and 15 30 27 and 20 percent so he does have the swinging strike rates 
decent walk rates too uh, for a guy who strikes out that many. He has a 44% strikeout rate so far this year. So keep an eye on Joey Menez, but Justin Wilson is the spec. So rank them real fast. Trevor Rosenthal, Hector Neris, Justin Wilson. Rank them, or did I just do it? Uh, my number one, well, John Kelly, number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, number two is Trevor Rosenthal, yeah. Number three is Justin Wilson. Number, oh. Naris is four? Number three is Naris. I, I would actually did, agree with what you said at, at first, though. I think Benoit's going to hold it for a while. Yeah, and I the do. team's not very good. They're not So what, they're not, what, what, they're not what incentive do they have? Now. Yeah. The Tigers are last gasp. The window's closing. They want to get somebody sturdy in there. Yeah. So Wilson, Naris, then Glover. Okay. Yeah. And then, we'll okay. Somebody left. Who's nope, left? nope, that's it, that's it. Let's move on to, uh, to our, our, our struggling players and uh, kind of take your temperature on how concerned you are. I got four hitters, two young, two older, and then, and then five arms that, that kind of vary from uh, a couple of fantasy aces down to the mid-tier guys. So we're going to start at the very top, probably the highest, yeah, the highest pick guy out of any of these guys that we're going to talk about, Jonathan VR. Was a fringe first rounder in 15 teams. Definitely a firm second rounder after just an amazing season last year where Jonathan VR stole, what was it, 63 bases or something? He led baseball. He was just incredible. Uh, really took a giant step forward just across the board. And everything looked pretty good, too, because he had some pop to go with it. Great walk rate. Uh, strikeout rate was a little bit high for the for the batting average. He definitely needed a big BABIP to get to the batting average. But even if you backed off the power and the batting average a bit, it was easy to see how he was still going to be a major contributor at age 26. 70 plate appearances in, the one thing he does have going, VR does have three homers and four stolen bases. So the homer stolen base production is still there, but he's hitting 138 with a 200 OBP and a 308 slug. Does the triple slash line of Jonathan VR concern you at all, Eno? Yes. Yes, I'm actually, I am concerned. I'm concerned for a few reasons. Uh, one is that uh, one of the major steps forward that he made the last couple of years has been with swinging strike rate, and that's gone the wrong way. Uh, you know, in another way, you could say his walk and strikeout rates, he's taken big steps forward, and he took all of that backwards. Um, and then another way you can say it, and the, the best way to say it probably, is to look at his swing and reach rates because the best to swing the, – the, more mellow two swing rates of his career have been the last two years and definitely the best two reach rates of his career have been the last two years and he undid all of that good and then the last bit and this is the worst way to say it <laughs> going from swing rates i think the best way to say it because those stabilize the quickest those are the most exactly. believable uh the worst way to say it but still kind of interesting i did want to mention it is that you know i looked into the fact that he was a switch hitter and that he made a huge part of his step forward last year was against right-handers. That was that was a big part of what he had, what he um, what what had made him better was that he discovered power against against right-handers. He went from being powerless to, to having some power and you know walking a little bit. Um, he still has some power against them, he, like everything, but. Uh, the, you know, so the patience is gone. That's and the thing. Worried... VR has a seven percent walk rate right now. Yeah, and I'm worried that um, I'm worried that it's going to fall apart a little bit. Um, the the here's the the reason that and I and somebody in my chat said, "Oh, Paul's not as worried as you are." 
and here's why I can They're always pitting us against each other, by the way. First comment in my chat the other day. Eno thinks your music sucks. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Somebody was trying to start with me sense. saying, Are you, what do you think about the fact that everyone thinks that Paul's music is better? It's <laughs> 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 probably the same person. Yeah. That's probably the same person. <laughs> we found you out now. We, 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 you are discovered. I'll see you in the chat tomorrow trying to start yeah. stuff. Your, your chat. Paul thinks sandwiches are stupid. <laughs> no, I don't. I want that sandwich. Uh, here's what I'll say. that, um, And this is uh, my answer when it came to uh, Tim Anderson as well and other guys. Is that they're on teams that are going to play them. Mm-hmm. I doubt. I, I don't think this could get so bad that the the brewers will will switch it up i mean they already have arcia up am i right yes he's been quick. he's been he's playing the shortstop right yeah yes uh you're not and hernan perez uh, if you really want hernan perez to start you can start him over travis shaw i mean travis shaw is not necessarily going to be the guy and i know he's in some ways done some good things early this season but i don't think that travis shaw and hernan perez are the guys who are going to push vr off of this team agreed and you know especially I mean? hernan perez because i just i don't buy him at all and i actually travis shaw is a little bit shaky on his triple slash right now but he's showing the power mm-hmm. and uh, i actually i actually like travis shaw a, a pretty good bit so um I perez think perez, was a, a decent amount of babbit last year i think i'm not sure that people realize how much just was wasn't skill changes behind what he did last year Hernan Perez when he put up 13 homers and 34 stolen bases it's awesome if you got it like that would that's a game changer that is a that is a nothing player giving you like second round homer and SB production hell maybe yeah. even first round like you know the rest of it wasn't there 50 runs 56 ribbies and a 272 average but not that doesn't hurt you that I didn't buy it at all. I don't buy it at all. And so I, I don't buy him taking VR's job. That's what, that's part of my reason for not being that concerned about VR. I think they're going to let him work through it. And the fact that he is still giving you the power with three homers and four stolen bases out of five attempts. What I really want to see in the next couple weeks, though, to, to stay calm on VR is to start slicing back into that swing strike rate. And you started to hit on it with the, uh, with the plate discipline. His O swing percentage, swinging outside of the zone, is up from 24% to 28%. And I imagine that, like other swing rate stuff, that starts to stabilize quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, swing rate more often, Swing rate's the, the, the first one because you're not doing it over, you know, O swing is, you know, outside the outside the uh, yeah swing rates just swings in general and that's he's, up five percentage points yeah, to 48 percent he's trying to swing his way out of the slump and that's not really um what got him to where he was before you know no that was a big part of vr is that he's a base stealer with a modicum of pop but that has 12 percent walk rate you feel like the obp is going to be there even if the power came back so um uh, there's a little concern just because you don't want to see a 38% strikeout rate for anybody, but 1 to 10, where are you, where are you at on concern with VR? Uh, like, like I said, with the, the deeper the league, the more it's like Tim Anderson where I shrug and say, yeah, maybe the batting average will be bad this year, but I'll still get my you know 10 homers and 30 stolen bases for Tim mm-hmm. Anderson, maybe you know 10 and 20 or whatever, but um, and, and, you know come with like a 220 batting average. That that level, so the deeper leagues, I'll say my my worry level is around three. But in a 12-team league, you know, once a guy's hitting 210 or whatever, 
you know, it's it becomes that much harder, and he starts tanking that that for you, and I then you wish either he was have to two ten. He's hitting one thirty eight. I know, but like his projections are for two forty. But if his oh, yeah, strikeout yeah, yeah. rate holds as it is, you know, you his projections could be two twenty or two, you know, two thirty, and then by the end of the year, he only gets it up to like two twenty. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's fair. Um, uh, so if he's hitting 220, he's tanking a category for you, and then you either have to punt the category, or you have to trade him, or you have to trade for somebody like Ben Attendee, who's you know batting average it. guys are super expensive, you know. Yes. So because yes, they usually do a lot of other things. Well, there's rare, rarely like empty batting average guys that you would want to get anyway. Like yeah, there's only maybe a few you speculate Joe on types, Prado you know? early. Yeah, you speculate yeah. on Prado before he comes back or something like that. So are you closer to like a five or six in, in shallower yeah. leagues for VR? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. the shallower the league, the more I'm worried about him. The more you need him to hit, you know, 250, 260, 270, the more I'm worried about him. I mean, I think that may have been a peak year for him batting average-wise. That's the thing. It, that really stood out. And um, even with my like for him, I was backing off the batting average back down to about 265. But I just thought, thought that the power – and stolen bases are going to be good enough to kind of overcome. And we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm staying the course. I'm probably just a tick or two below you on the panic. Um, I'm keeping an eye on it, though. Uh, this next guy, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm, I'm throwing up my hands a little bit. I don't know what to make of, of, of Devin Travis. You look at what he did coming into this season. It was basically a full season's worth of work, 62 games in 2015, 101 last year, and you got yourself a full season. And he goes 301, 342, 469. With 19 homers, 85 ribbies, 7 stolen bases, and 92 runs. I know it doesn't work like that, but it is nice that it kind of added up into a full season. Um, so there was a lot of excitement for him. Everyone acknowledges that the, the thing holding Devon Travis back or is health. Devin Travis, excuse me. And I'm wondering if he's not hurt right now. Because he's 4 for 44 with an 091 uh, batting average 167 OBP and 091 slug. His four hits are all singles, two runs, two ribbies. He's been a disaster. The one positive aspect that I think you can give him is that he only has a 21% strikeout rate, so he's not up there just swinging wildly at everything. But Devin Travis has been brutal this year. How concerned are you? Yeah, this is this is the these are the real the real tough ones to evaluate because. The stuff that we can, that we're supposed to look at, quote unquote, right now, um, you know, is um, is not helpful. Like basically, power, like ISO, for example, he has a zero ISO. <laughs> um, Sweet. Yeah, that you're not supposed to look at till 500 plate appearances, quote unquote. Jeez. You know, it's not. It's a very noisy number. The guy hits four home runs in, in two or three days. The guy does a Marcus Thames, you know, on your weekend, and all of a sudden everything looks different. So, see, I'm going to correct you on that because it's Eric. But the thing is, right. Marcus is the same. Marcus <laughs> would do that, though. He would hit four home runs Sorry. in a weekend. So I blame a chatter because someone in the chat said probably that same shit starter. Yeah. He's probably just confusing you with names. Just keeps referring him to it as Marcus to troll you. Yeah, three. He's uh, Devin Travis. The one thing that we can say, um, and it's not quite. Uh, at at the level where you believe 32 balls in play, but 50 balls in play for exit velocity is somewhat meaningful. And right now, Devin Travis is at 369th out of 489, and that's including all the guys have ones and twos in terms is of balls good? in play. No, is so, that good? No, oh, so okay, okay. I would say that he's probably when you take out all the ones and twos, he's probably like 330 out of 400. 
in terms of exit velocity. So that's not, not good. Not great, Bob. The, not great. Not no no. I'm uh, not going to do it, Tim. The uh, the exit, but the swing stuff, the stuff that we're supposed to be able to look at early, is good. He's swinging less. He's reaching less. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to find his pitch. Strikeout rates are basically static, 20, 20.1% to 20.8%. Walk rate think, nearly doubled. I think I would take the steamer projections right now. They're the ones that are lowest on his power. I think we're just going to have to deep downgrade his power. I think I might add a little OBP uh, to that steamer projection because he's showing those good swing rates. So right now I'm going to give him a 260 batting average, a 320 on base percentage, and you know, like a 400, 390 slugging. That's going to be, that's going to give you nine to 10 homers and four or five stolen bases. It's a, it's a little bit like a, how valuable is that? Not very. I mean, it's, it's below a Joe Panic, for example. Exactly. And I love Joe Panic. So, I mean, in the 10 and 12 team mixer, are you cutting Devin Travis now? Yeah. I I think, I think you have to, and he's probably going to get snapped back up. So if he does go, go crazy and, and get back on track it's going to be a, a, a loss for you you know um to a degree though if you just replace him with somebody who does the same or 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 better then then you're fine but i i think i'm moving on in, in shallower leagues because there's just not there's no carrying skill there he's not going to hit you, you said what 265 you know and and so even if he outperforms that what is it, it's 280 and that's all right and there's not major power there's not major speed I think you move on. 10 and 12 teamers, you're very likely to have a second baseman slash middle out on your wire who's worth, uh, worth getting even instead. Even like a Plus, Chris Owings. I'd, um, you know, even I agree. Unpredictable playing time. A guy like Chris Owings I think I'd rather have. He's the guy like his speed. who's getting healthy. Exactly. So. And that's another thing, too, is Travis dealing with something because he's been routinely injured. So is he trying to play through something this time and and you know it's not working. I don't know. It's just it's a guy that I've I've struggled with these last few years try, trying to figure out. I understand where the hype comes from when you look at what he's been able to do. Like I said, you smash those first two years together and make it a full season and I get it, but I don't know. I think I'd be ready to move on, maybe even for like a Brandon Drury, who I know is not off to a tremendous start himself. I just think that there's at least a more carrying skill there of power for Drury, whereas uh, whereas with, with, with Travis, it's a little bit of everything. And I, I don't love guys like that in, in 10 and 12 team mixed. All right, let's move over to Travis's teammate, Jose Bautista, who obviously is a lot more established. But uh, there was plenty of concerns about him going into the season. I think he started to get some hype. Late in, in draft season, I don't know if it was uh, WBC related or if he was having a good spring. I can't remember exactly. But people started to buy back in, saying, you know, he's, he's going too cheap. This power guy, he's, he's going to be fine. Don't sweat it. Um, well, there's been reason to sweat so far. He hasn't hit his first homer yet through 62 plate appearances. He is still drawing walks. He does have nine against 18 strikeouts. So he's 118, 258, 157, triple slash. Jose Bautista at age 36, how worried are you? Nah. Here's something interesting. He's hitting the ball exactly as hard as Nolan Arenado. Oh, that is very interesting. It's very weird. And Nolan Arenado is doing his thing. I mean, he's he's been beasting. I think Bautista looks a little bit lost. I mean, the strikeouts seem to come from a place where, I don't know, if there's a different book on him right now, or if he just can't see a certain pitch very well, um, you know, there's, there's. I watched him today, and it didn't, it didn't look good. 
at the same time, if you look at his swing rates and his reach rates, they're not that different. The patience is still there. I think you're hitting on exactly what the issue is, though. It's that even when he does get the pitch that, that might be the one to, to club, he's not clubbing it. He's, like, in between. Yeah, and, and in can just, like I'm not a great swing analyst, so if I say something that is way off, I'm more than open to people tweeting me and saying, ah, I think you got that one wrong. Just in the limited bits that I've seen, I've probably seen four or five different Blue Jays games trying to watch some of their starters or, or people going against them. And again, he looks kind of in between. Like a, I don't think I can identify a slow swing 100% when I see it, but he just doesn't seem to be ready when 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 he's got the pitch that's coming uh, that he would usually, like, again, just send 450 the other way, he's missing or not swinging at, and it's like, oh, how did he take that pitch? You know, now 3-1 uh, heater where, where he would like it, no, he takes it, now he's full count, and then he's striking out at some some trash on 3-2. And just, uh, that's a, already a small sample of 62 plate appearances. I'm parsing down to maybe 12 that I've seen, but I just don't see a lot from Bautista that has me uh, feeling great and being a little bit older, I do have some concern. I would say this, though. I would not cut him anywhere. I think it, this is one of the guys, for me, Bautista is, that he gets that month and a half, which is my usual starting point to to start freaking out on guys. I'm, I'm waiting at least a month and a half on the early rounders and even the mid-rounders that I've got. So I'm still going to go you know, another three weeks or so with Bautista. What about you? Shallow leagues. I know we're not cutting him in deep leagues. That's why we're focused mostly on shallow leagues here. But are you cutting Bautista? In a 10-team, maybe. I need deeper Probably than find that. some appealing bats in a 10-team. <clears throat> yeah, because in a 10-team... Um, I mean, what you want out of him is like two fifty thirty out of a full season. That's that's mm-hmm. the sort of uh, projection that you probably you're working off of. And in a ten team, that type of player can become available. I mean, like in a ten team, Mitch Haniger might be available. Exactly. And Mitch Haniger isn't you know guaranteed to go two fifty thirty, but his projections by themselves are for two fifty twenty, and he's showing us a lot more power, and he's available. So. Exactly. If I could, in a 10-teamer, make the switch between Bautista and Hanager, I might just do it because I'm I'm getting like 10 years, you know. That's, yeah, major difference in age. And so if there is something wrong with Bautista and it requires like a DL stint, you do have to factor that in as well. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, like I said, I mentioned Corey Dickerson, somebody who probably has that similar projection, right? He had 24 homers last year and 245, dealing with a few nagging injuries here, and then he played 148 games, a career high. So far, so good. He looks really healthy this year. He looks great. Hopefully, if he can stay healthy all year, I think he can get to that uh, 32-260. In fact, I think he can go 32-80 if, if Corey Dickerson's healthy, and he's likely to be available. So maybe there are yeah. some names where I would be a little bit more open to it in a 10-teamer. 12-teamer, you start to get... Less likely that you get yeah. someone with that power upside, I think. You know? And then um, and then 15-team, I just, I just don't think there'd be somebody I would want. What about like another old guy, Jason Worth, who might well be available in a 15 team or would, would would he be somebody you would look at uh over bautista or just keep the old guy you have well you know worth is almost two years older oh i didn't even i thought i would have had them much closer yeah and then worth is also having the same problems when it comes to under the hood it just he's had a homer or two that makes that un, that covers up the fact that he's got the worst strikeout rate of his career and uh the worst swinging strike rate of his career okay so you know, I think you really want to gravitate towards those contact and swing rates. 
And in those cases, you know, Bautista's swing rate is fine. His contact rate is not. But, you know, if he goes and hits three homers tomorrow, uh, he'll have a 200 ISO and, um, you know, like a 150, 160 batting average and everything will look a lot closer to normal. So one other you know, one. Yeah. And, and this guy will probably dive in deeper next week, but I'll just bring him up now because maybe maybe he has a terrible week and then we don't talk about him. Avisail Garcia he's out of his mind right now. He's yeah. still available. 65% in Yahoo leagues, which is 10 and 12 teamers. I'm not he's somebody it. that, yeah, I mean, I'm not buying it. Not... The, they're, they're finally, he's finally putting the ball in the air. That part is good. He's not hitting it any harder. That part is bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've known, we've known about this guy forever. Striking out less on the rate, 25% to well, percent last year to 21%, but swinging strike rate is only down 1%. He's hitting it as hard as Yasiel Puig and Will Myers. That's a little surprising. That's a little better than usual. And he's putting the ball in the air. And he's pulling the ball, which is good for power. And he dropped 15 pounds. And I don't he's know. basically I, I the just, next Miguel Cabrera. I feel like I've been burned by this guy so often. I, I have repeatedly been burned by Avisail Garcia, and not he's that I ever thought he was going to be. Twenty-five years old, twenty-six, but all right, yeah, yeah. point point holds. But I mean, Jeez. Yeah, age age twenty-six season might still be twenty-five, but this yeah, will yeah. count as his age twenty-six season when he turns uh, twenty-six. Yeah, on June. Oh, but that's when his strike rate is bad, dude. It's still. I'm it's, saying it's not it's down one percentage point. Yeah. That's bad. That's he's not going to strike out 20% of the time with a 16% swing strike rate. Let's, he's let's swinging the same amount. Yeah, I mean. Here's some other guys with 16% uh, swing strike rate. And, and this, is, this one's going to be easy because it's going to be on the first page. All the, all the guys with the worst swing strike rate is going to be here. Okay, so it's not in the top five worst, which is Danny Espinosa, Paulo Orlando, Mr. Byron Buxton, Paul? Tim Beckham. Paulo Orlando? I would have yeah. thought that he's somebody who not, not a know, good makes sign. a lot of contact. <laughs> Orlando, Orlando Arcia, uh, Mark Trumbo is a 16.5 guy. Tim Anderson, 16.4. Trevor Story, 16.1. Nelson Cruz, 16.1. Uh, so he's going to – Avisail Garcia has a low – has a worse swing strike rate than Mr. Joey Gallo. That's crazy. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's cr- so he's selling out for this power right now, connecting a little bit. The league's going to adjust, and obviously Garcia's triple slash is going to hit the crapper, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one, so thing, just that, keep the one thing I would take out of this there. is he may have a career high in, power, in home runs this year. But that's not even saying that much because it would be 14. He only needs 11 more. The <laughs> so I uh, hope yeah, he sets I mean, a career. He could maybe hit like 15, 16, 17, uh, and you know maybe 260, 17 with you know three, four stolen bases. That's still. I, I like him. I'd love to be wrong, but I don't. Yeah. I just don't think we are at this point. So he's still got to prove it. Obviously, El Garcia does because the swinging strike rate again is just so high compared to everything else that it's saying red flag, red flag, red flag. So you're going to keep Bautista over Avisail at this point. Okay, okay. Uh, let's move on. One, one other elder statesman who uh, usually good, usually good when he's playing. He's one of those guys that okay, you say if as long as Carlos Gonzalez is on the field, he's gonna dominate for you. And the last two years, he's been on the field, 153 and 150 games played at age 29 and, and 30 after uh, never eclipsing more than 145. And he did that back in 2010, and then it was 127, 135, 110, and 70. So um, 
we've seen great work in the past two years out of out of Carlos Gonzalez. He's a power average guy now. No more stolen bases. That that hasn't been there since 2013. But he's off to a really rough start. 175, 200, 298. Has the one homer, uh, two ribbies, and uh, three runs scored. 22% strikeout rate. The walk rate's really down. And he doesn't have a lot to give away. That's the thing. He's a career 8% guy, and he's down at 3% right now. Any concern on a 31-year-old Carlos Gonzalez? Maybe might be hanging out with Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story too much because he's raising his launch angle. And uh, I don't think that it's serving him well because basically what he's done is he's kept the same amount of ground balls, but he's turned all of his line drives into fly balls. And I think what you're seeing is basically pop flies. Uh, yeah, it's the worst pop fly rate of his career so far, and um, he's not—he's more of a line drive hitter. I think he should be who he is and lower that launch that launch angle and have the plus batting average on balls in play that he usually does. And That's find the thing, his Carl, way. Yeah. Carlos Gonzalez has never needed a gaudy fly ball rate to excel, and you know the last time that he was. He's only once had a full season over 40%, right? And it was 40.5% back in 2013. Otherwise, he's a career 35%. I'll tell you what, I'm looking at everything here, and I'm I'm not concerned. I, I have almost no concern for Carlos Gonzalez. My only concern is the one that we've had now for the last three or four years, is, and that's that he would be traded. But um, they don't have enough reinforcements to trade him right now because seemingly they lose another big guy to the disabled list every damn day. So I think he's there. I think he's there to stay. And um, I would actually go out and buy Carlos Gonzalez. I'm not worried. What about you? Yeah, I think so. And I think the team is improving, actually. And I think the team might, as it is right now, be better than um, the Giants. I don't think that that's completely out of bounds. And it's going to get close. And I and I think if there is one wild card that comes out of the out of the West, it's going to be a dogfight. And it's going to be a dogfight between that the Diamondbacks team, which suddenly has a starting rotation Woo, with one of, the, they? one of the best uh, ERAs and FIPs in, in Major League Baseball. And, um, you know, now they're talking humidor, maybe in the middle of the season. That might actually help all their pitchers. They have mm-hmm. enough offense, I think. I, so, I was going to say, they have offensive guys that can overcome even a little bit of, of depression. should be talking about trading Pence and Cueto because – uh, it's going to be a rough year for them, I think. And I thought it was going to take until you know next year, the year after, to get there. But right now, it's not like they've been that hurt, you know, by injury or poor play, and they've they're still six and ten. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. there's no there's nothing to point at. Be like, well, well, Jared Parker's hurt. You know, <laughs> hey, once they get Jared Parker back, dude. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, Hunter Pence hasn't been amazing, but he's also older, so. Any case, I think this team is good. I think they're going to keep him. You can look at the swing strike rate for Carlos Gonzalez, and yes, it's high as it, like with an Avisel Garcia. But instead of Avisel Garcia's history of bad strikeout rates, you've seen that Carlos Gonzalez has been able to sort of swing his way through that swing strike rate and exactly. has put up decent swing strike rates his whole I mean, strikeout rates his whole time with the Rockies, even with the bad uh, contact rates. So there's I no real by. reason to think he's going to strike out a lot. Uh, the only thing you're really looking at here is power. And, yeah, his ground ball fly ball mix is off a little bit. 
but it's not off a ton. Right now, 1.17 ground balls for fly balls. In 2014 and 2015, when he was good, is 1.25, 1.29. I mean, you're rounding error off uh, yeah. there a little bit. So and, and like you said, if he goes and says, I need a, f- a couple fewer fly balls, I need to get back to my line drive approach, yeah. a lot of those line drives can still carry and leave in, in Coors. Uh, I think at, actually... at, at heart, in Coors, he's a 290-25 guy. And that's that's what he's been. Yep, yep. I say buy. I say go out and buy. Yeah. Right, let's talk some pitchers. Let's start with Corey Kluber because everyone's asking, and uh, I think it happens almost every April. I, th- I think I think April is just his disaster month. The one thing that sticks in my head though that I cannot shake, even as I recommend and draft him. This is not a situation where I recommend a guy and then secretly I don't get him. I love I love Corey Kluber, but ever since he did the bad fastball piece, and he was you know chief among them. I've been worried because there's going to come a point where that bad fastball is not going to be able to be overcome by the rest of what Corey Kluber is able to do, and it's going to be a major issue. Now, I don't know if it's this year at age 31 or if it's two years down the road at 33. I I, I don't know, but it definitely sticks in my head. April, perennially poor for him. Um, the Cy Young season, it wasn't good. Again, every year uh, since he's became a full-time starter, 414 in 2014, 424 each of the last two seasons, 15 and 16, and now 630 ADRA so far this year. Um, he's also got a 142 whip, a two and a half homer per nine rate. I know that's not going to stick, but he's given up a few extra homers. Corey Kluber, how concerned are you, if at all? I think these beginnings are just are, are for are foreshadowing, you know, showing us the end later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think that it's enough where I have him in my 18-team league, and I'm sort of t- you know, trying to see. It's a head-to-head, so I'm trying to see if I'm good, and I'm going to give it a little bit, and if not, I'll, I'll trade him because I don't think I want to necessarily have him for next April and then the April after, you know what I'm saying? And you know, here's a, an interesting thing. Velocity does become meaningful very quickly, but there are certain people, I think, that ramp up slower. So you know, uh, last year he started off, 92, 93, 92, 9, 92, 92, 8, 92, 9. And then all of a sudden it's 93s and 94s the rest of the way. Um, this year, 91, 9, 92, 6, 92, 93 in his last start. So that's the hope there. The hope there is that he can get it back to where he was before. I just don't think that a guy with, with you know, traditionally subpar results on his fastball is going to survive, you know, going down to 89, 90, the thirties. Yeah. His age thirties seasons. Yeah. So maybe dynasty leaguers need to start trading or, or wait, wait for a few good starts and then, and then jump out at some point this year. You don't want to sell now in a, in a trough because people would, even if, even if there's a believer, they're going to be a believer to get the discount on Corey Kluber. So I would say you, you got, you got to kind of hold right now, almost no matter what, just until the numbers even out, which you're suggesting that you think they will. And I think they will, too, because the two-and-a-half homer per nine rate's not going to last. That's He'll get that down. That's the biggest blemish there. I mean, he's still getting 10% whiffs and still getting strikeouts. And... Yeah, and still not walking many. I mean, seven-and-a-half is high for, for him, but that's a couple extra walks. It's a couple extra walks right now. So we'd not at, be too worried. Yeah, even at 93, Short. that 93-1, that's that, that last start against uh, Detroit, that's his fourth start. Last year in his fourth start, it was 9204. Um, so, yeah, I guess he's there. But if you go the year before in his uh, fourth start, he was at 945. 
at 95-5. And that gave him a big lead. And, and I mean, he, he made it stand up, but he, but he still got knocked around for six runs uh, in six and a third against the Tigers. So, you know, they still they still were hitting him around. Three of those homers came against Texas in the, in the season debut, but he's allowed a homer in each of the three starts so far. It hasn't been easy going to Texas, Arizona, and then home to the Tigers. But you're not, you don't look at the schedule and give, give an ace a break. An ace is supposed to be schedule-proof, venue-proof, all that sort of stuff. So you can have a little bit of concern. The only thing is I just, I just don't think you can act on it because you're going to take too big of a loss. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's too early. Even, even in a dynasty league, it's too early to sell anyway because uh, people will think that they're buying low. You know, yes. and they won't. They want to pay they'll buy want, low prices. So yes, they'll want the discount. Even if you think that you're not going anywhere in a dynasty, what you have to do is nurse this guy along until he's back to. Oh yeah, I'm buying Kluber. Get those so, four starts in a row. Everyone's freaking out. Oh, he's back. Let's yeah. go. And then you go sell for for primo right. prices. Let's move on to uh, Jose Quintana, who you know the steadiest Eddie going the last four years, 200-plus innings of just quality, low to mid-3 ZRA work with decent strikeout rates, really good walk rates, bankable, very bankable. So far, it's been a little bit rough through three starts. You're looking at um, a 675 ERA, 18% strikeout rate, which is a couple ticks off, 11% walk rate, which is really the big difference here. It's almost doubling of what he normally does, career 6% walk rate, 2.1 homers. So you got the walks and the homers so far for Quintana, just a, just some early sputtering through three starts or reasons for concern? He's another guy that I've said might not age so well because he doesn't have a good changeup. Um, he's a fastball curve guy that gets along with, you know, iffy velocity and really good command. I think that in some ways has a lot to do with, with Corey Kluber. However, I just said he has great command. There's no way that he's walking five guys per nine. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know if he's just having trouble finding the zone. Here's one thing. This is um, somewhat breaking news, actually. I haven't decided how to write about this. And I haven't even tweeted about this. But um, I've had more than one catcher now pull me aside and say, I'm hearing from crew chiefs that there is um, – a suggestion from Major League Baseball to raise the strike zone. Ooh, to start start doing it now, start raising it now before they do something official. Because aren't they put? Haven't they had on the table of some official potential it's, measures? They've done this before, where they say like, you know, it's um, a point of emphasis, or yeah. let's look at this. You know. You know, where they, and I think it's often done in the media where they're like, because we have heard them say, we're looking at, you know, whether we should raise the strike zone, you know? But you say it publicly so it's in the mind of the umpires. I, I you know, on some level, I, I think there's something there. And, and definitely catchers think that they're, they're having a hard time uh, getting the low, the low strike zone. Uh, I think this might be useful uh, to consider with respect to, um, uh, Quintana's curve. Last year, he threw the curve uh, in the zone uh, by pitch FX. Uh, uh, what is this? Curve. Where's the zone percentage? Uh, 36% of the time. Or no, then it was, it was 36 and 38, and then this year, uh, 38. So I guess it's it's not showing up in uh, the the zones percentage for the 
for the curveball, but that doesn't mean that um, it's not affecting him somehow. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't know if someone – oh, here, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, last year's curveball percentage was 38. This year it's 34. So I don't know. That, that's, that's a small amount. But he does throw 87 curves, so it's a few, it's a few curves here or there. And, but that's the point is it could actually still be a few curves here or there. You know, it could be like a couple curves that he was like through at the right moment. He was like, I usually get that strike. And all of a sudden exactly. it's 2 or 3-0, and it's 2 or 3-0 against a lefty, and he can't necessarily throw the curveball, so he throws the fastball and they hit it. So, and you know, that's, that's, that's what we've seen so far with Quintana. Yeah. It's just uh, he's getting hit around more than he has. And to your point about, oh, I used to get that first strike, and now it's a ball, that's why we, maybe we're seeing a, a spike in walk rate to 11%. And none of these, with these small samples, are we saying um, they're, they're stabilized. We know that. But we're looking for the stuff early on that could be the foreshadowing to the rest of the season. So just keep I that think, in mind. I think a little bit more of these last two is the rest of career. Um, and I think that, you know they've had they've had great careers so far, but like we say, you know you can see those 200 innings, and all of a sudden there's there's 10. You know it's like, um, you know there's just because they did it in their peak ages doesn't mean they're going to do it when they turn 30. Plus, you're only I mean it's so trite, but it's so true about pitchers. You're only healthy until you're not. You can be the most healthy guy ever, but it's almost like it's almost working against you because the more like 200 innings you pile up, the more you can be putting yourself at risk for future to not do it. And Ooh. so I don't, I don't think it's guaranteed. It, Dan Heron, I remember, was like the most stable innings guy possible. And then his back became an issue and he started to lose innings left and right. Who do you think will age well? Like, in, I, I, I generally have speaking? Head. I have a name in my head of a guy who I think is going to age well. He has okay, a broad um, arsenal, good command, decent velocity now, and can lose velocity. Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> that was the name. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes. I'm so smart. Yeah. I, I mean, I I, Thor has a nice arsenal, but he, he throws so he throws hard. so hard. Throws yeah. so hard. I think Chris Sale is actually going to age well, too, and really piss off those people who for every year keep saying that he's going to break down. He could. He, I mean, people don't like his mechanics, but in terms of what the things we're talking about, he does have four really good pitches. And mm -hmm. he's started throwing at a at a shorter at a at a lower velocity level um, to try and 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 you know reduce the stress on his arm and and keep more bullets in there. And today he's been awesome at that at that velocity level. So that's I think that's an interesting name. He's um, and um, he and Bumgarner I think I think will age, but uh, Degrom was the one. Yeah, yes. So psyched that I got that right for some reason. I don't get any prize, but it just it's just cool to get it right. But I agree with you. The depth of Arsenal and the fact that I do think that uh, though the way he pitches, he can he can live with a few a uh, couple fewer miles miles per hour, which is going to happen. That's just what happens with with guys. Um, so let's move on from that from those two and go to Kyle Hendricks, a guy that you know was divisive in the in the market this year you either had your believers or, or, or your non-believers there wasn't really much in between rarely you have some guys that like people will take even though they don't love it just because like well i'll just take that guy i gotta take cole hamels because he's done it before he's good whatever i'll put him on my team uh you know carlos martinez i'm not maybe a super huge believer but he's really good he's available he's strikeout guys i'll take him you know there's a handful of guys like that 
people that didn't like Kyle Hendricks would skip over him and just keep taking pictures even if he fell in a draft or even if he had a good price in an auction. And then those that liked him would boost him above guys that you would think maybe he shouldn't be. Like maybe the Hamels and Price before he got hurt. Um, you know, And then even somebody like a Quintana. Excellent last year, undoubtedly. Um, everything went extremely well for him. That, that, that great defense plus his skills. It's not like he was skillless. I don't want to suggest that. But everything worked in his favor last year and it was good to go. This year so far, not so much. 619 ERA, 10% walk rate, 2.3 homers. A lot of these guys are having homer issues, by the way. That's why I keep bringing it up. The biggest thing that stuck out to me about Kyle Hendricks struggling is that he still has a 244 Babbitt, which is actually better than last year's, although that's a little bit misleading because homers are not in BABIP. So he's still giving up hits. They're just going over the fence right now. But it is interesting that, you know, the one thing that his biggest detractors were saying is, well, that BABIP is going up, myself included, of course, but but it hasn't right now. I don't know what to make of it since I was a, a, a detractor. I'm certainly not going to say I got that one right after three starts. That would be foolish. But where do you stand on Kyle Hendricks now three starts in? I don't like the velocity thing. And I don't think that, you know, in, in context of talking about Chris Sale uh, and, and how he might have been throwing softer in order to save his bullets. To conserve, yeah. I don't really see that with Cal Hendricks. Like, you would want to see that his max was about the same as before, right? And that mm-hmm. the, the green dot, you know, you can go to the Pitch FX page on – Fangraphs, and you actually uh, like how you can see the max, and then you see where he sits. Okay. And the max right now is where he sat last year. The, you know, his max for most of last year was 89.90. His max right now is 87. And I was actually watching a game where I was like, dude, what are you throwing? You know, like I couldn't even, I couldn't tell what he was throwing in terms of like, I couldn't tell if it was a changeup or not. Yeah, because it's, it's so underwhelming on the fastball. Yeah, the fastball right now is 87, and the changeup is 79, but goes up to 84. So if you've got an 87-mile-an-hour fastball on average, that means you've got an, you're throwing 85 and 84-mile-an-hour fastballs, and he's got changeups that go 84. I mean, there's, there's something going on there where the whole, the whole thing right now is 85 to 80, mm-hmm. everything. Is eighty-five to eighty. It's um, rough. It's. I mean that. You know when you're when you're a velocity band. Like if you if you got a, a great fastball and a, and a slider that it's it, one of those super sliders that's low, uh, high eighties, low nineties, and that's your velocity band that works. But when your velocity band is tied up in the upper eighties with your fastball and your secondary pitch, it's not great, Bob. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. And then someone's asking if you want to trade for him, and the first thing you say is, "I don't think so, Tim." Even if their name isn't Tim. Tim. I I don't uh, I don't think so, Tim. I just um. Yeah, he he got by. He he thrived because he had excellent defense behind him. He still does, and his batting average ball play is actually still low. The problem is that things are going over the fence, and that command, which I think command is just so tough to deal with because they're because it's there's there's small little slivers i think i've said this before but the average player on 3-0 counts misses the glove by 13 inches yeah yeah. and the best player 
which was Dallas Keuchel when they did this, misses the glove on 3-0 counts by 10 inches. That's crazy. So we're talking That's the inches entire here. spread. The entire spread. So that means the difference between Kyle Hendricks. If, if Kyle Hendricks last year was the best and, and now he's the worst, it would still only be six inches. So that's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah, and and much more likely is he was the best, and now he's average, and he's he's lost three inches, and somehow that those three inches are what we're talking about here. That's tempting enough to say, okay, if it's only three inches, he can find it again. Um, but then you have to you have to look at the velocity, and not only is the velocity down from eighty seven point eight to eighty five point four on pitch FX, but that's not counting the fact that it should have an extra tick in there. Mm-hmm. So it's actually like being down from 87.8 to 84.4. I don't know. Not a lot of guys have made it 84.4. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they, they found an arm injury or something. Find a little something to give him a two-week reprieve? Yeah, something. How worried are you in, in show or leagues about Cal Hendricks right now? Um, seven. Eight. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I obviously agree. I was not in. He had, a, and he so, had a good year the year before, and he had a 3.95 ERA. That was my main point, was that the skills were exactly the same each of the last two years, and he went from 3.95 to 2.13. Yeah. And so it was all BABIP and left-on-base dependent. And the BABIP's still low, but again, that's a, a little bit misleading because he is still giving up hits. They're just over the fence. The left-on-base rate is bad at 67%. I just thought he was more of a 360 guy. I didn't even think that he was necessarily the 395 guy. I just didn't see how we were buying Kyle Hendricks as a sub three guy. And I know three starts in, I could still be proven wrong and he could rebound and be great. And Paul's an idiot, but I'm just not seeing it. And that's why I don't get, I didn't get a single share of him. And I was aggressively running away from him. Um, I think I drafted Clayton Richard over him and went, no, I'm kidding, Uh, but I would have. Do you believe me? No, you shouldn't believe me because I wouldn't. I don't think so, Tim. I wouldn't do that, you know. Um, I think you should be concerned about Kyle Hendricks. Would you cut him in a 10-teamer? I guess I got to give you names. That would, that, that's only fair because if I just say yeah, it do as a like. nebulous idea, you're like, well, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. Okay, hang on. Let me get you some names here. I'm looking 50% or lower in, the, uh, in Yahoo leagues. That's where I'm at right now. All right. For Jeremy Hellickson or Kyle Hendricks. Who's that? Uh, Jeremy Hellickson from the... No, no. Okay. Uh, Francisco Lariano. Getting warmer. I think I would. I think I would. I think I would do that. But again, I don't have him, so my opinions are, are less relevant. Oh, you know, that's why me... I'm focused on you. Um, Man, look at that strikeout rate. Lariano's whipping everybody. He's been, he's been, I mean, what the hell did they let Jared Saltalamacchia catch him for in that first game? What neat little experiment, guys. Uh, like, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why that happened. But I, I would make that move personally. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think maybe no still. What about uh, 17 and two-thirds scoreless Andrew Triggs? No. Okay. What about your your ex-boyfriend now back and looking good and trying to make you jealous and trying to make you come back to him, Chase Anderson? No, see, I'm I'm still holding there. As much as I'm worried, the, these names, I'm I know go a Anderson, little higher. Anderson's then. throwing a cutter now. 
Um, and that could help him to a lower batting average on ball play or maybe help him um, with the home runs per nine. Those both have been sort of problems of his in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, I still think that he's his upside is like a 3.8 or something, 3.8 ERA. Okay. Uh, let me go a little bit higher because you, you uh, these guys might still be available though they're less so but just to see where you're at with with different names maybe if you're talking trade so i'll go 65 percent and below luis severino i might do that for kyle Hendricks. okay uh joe ross for kyle Hendricks. i might do that now we're talking about guys who have uh elite pitches and velocity and severino is throwing a third pitch now or he's he threw it before but he's throwing a third pitch enough i think him and ross are actually very similar very good fastballs, very good sliders, and and, and that just third pitch coming ups. along. Yeah, agreed. Uh, last one, Jarrell Cotton. He's sixty-one percent. Yeah, that one's a tough one. I did actually drop Jarrell Cotton in my ten-teamer. Um, sound the alarm bells. You. How dare you? I cried myself to sleep last night. <laughs> uh, but what I what I did it for was Luis Severino. Oh yeah, I mean, I I I totally understand that. It's, I think in 10-teamers, you're talking about ceiling, and that's why Hendricks survived that first onslaught of names because yes. he just had better ceiling. I mean, we, we at least saw he's, we saw his ceiling. Even if he gets anywhere close to that, he's better than the other names you said. But when you start talking about Severino and Ross, you start talking about guys who have equal ceilings and aren't throwing 84 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, that, that's actually going to do it. I had a couple other guys. Uh, I'll get your snap thought on just one of these guys because you got you, you got to get going here. Just on Kevin Gossman real fast. We'll, we'll close with your thoughts on him. We won't deep dive quite as much. 723 ERA, but the real concern, 14% strikeout rate, 13% walk rate. Um, hilariously enough, he actually has a .5 homer per nine rate. And the one thing we keep saying is if he could keep the damn ball in the yard, everything would be Gucci. But uh, it's not. It's, it's bad with Kevin Gossman. Even though he is keeping the ball in the yard, everything else is just getting beaten all around the place. Are you concerned about Kevin Gossman right now? I am. Um, you know, I thought the curveball would be a good thing for him. And, you know, it's a little bit hard to tell between his curve and his slider. But Brooks, who, you know, I, I trust their classifications a lot. Brooks is saying he's back to throwing the slider instead of the curve. Yes. And that slider is poop. It's just not good. It's not good. And so and it's frustrating because it. You would think it, it, it would because it, when it when it when it flashes it's really good but it's it's not consistently good enough so he's a he's a fastball split finger uh, changeup guy. Yeah, and that, I mean he's throwing a slider that's that's no good and that's that's a bad news for him. Um, and I also I think that he's I don't know what the deal is but um, he's not throwing the four seam high in the zone. He's he seems to be afraid of the home run right now, and the the four seam high in the zone is his bread and butter. I mean, that's what Dylan Bundy is talking about. If you watch a Dylan Bundy start, Dylan Bundy's throwing it high in the zone, you know? So Dylan Someone's Bundy's... been talking about high fastballs for a while. Yeah, and Bundy's not afraid is. to go at it. So I don't know if he got spooked by his home run rate last year. 1.4 per nine is pretty bad. Um, but He's had home run issues forever. Right. I think you you just embrace who you are, live high in the zone, get those strikeouts, uh, and I think he'll he'll get there. The good news is, um, you know, compared to who we just talked about, the velocity is is not down. He's still it's throwing. Stat- it's steady. Yeah, he's still throwing hard, 
It might be down versus the league. It might be down. Danny. I, I told you not to talk to me, remember? Remember I told you to wave? It's okay. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. Just give me one second. I'm, I'm just finishing up, okay? Give me a second. Um, start off. Uh, what was I? Oh, embrace, embrace the – throw high in the zone. Embrace who you are. Embrace the home runs. Get the strikeouts. The good news is the velocity is there. And, you know, it's steady. It might be down a little bit because, you know, all velocity numbers are, are up and his numbers aren't up as much as other people's. Um, but yeah, if you do the time, adjustment, Gaussman's about where he's still where he's a 94, at. 95 guy, right? He's That's still the pretty thing. good. It's not. So I think, you know, deep leaguers have to hold him. And uh, 10 teamers, you can drop him for a Severino type. You can drop him for a Ross type because I do think he's settling into that four ERA guy. You know, okay. Just okay. a four zero. You know, like a a good, decent pitcher. A good solid mid rotation guy to have a four ERA over thirty plus starts. You have to have a lot In of Baltimore. good starts. Yes, you have, <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of good ones. So I agree with you that you know we got to lower his ceiling a little bit. I kept thinking that there was front line ceiling. I'm I'm moving off of that a bit. I would if you don't force a cut though. If if a Severino type again, those were sixty five percent ownerships at, at Yahoo. If they're not available, just stick tight. I don't think you go drop him for Mike Leak, um, or or even like Amir Garrett. I wouldn't do it for. But um, I, I would I would sit tight otherwise. But if you find somebody that's right, you can move on from Gosman. Anyway, you got to get back to dad duty, and uh, we're gonna talk next week about guys way over the moon right now including maybe somebody like Luis Severino. We'll dive a little bit deeper and see where you're at with them. Until then, you know, take care. All right. Thanks for listening.